You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode is a special library episode. We're getting some behind-the-scenes library questions answered from friend of the show and librarian, Brazos Price. But first... What are you reading, Bria? I am about three-fourths of the way through this book that I love called Like Brothers by Mark and Jay Duplass. So it's a um, memoir-type slash advice for filmmaker book slash some jokes um, <laughs> all in one. Um, the Duplass brothers, I, I don't know. I'm sure most people are familiar with their work, but they got their start. Um, well, in this book, they got their start much earlier, but the people, they kind of like came on the scene um, with this movie called Puffy Chair, the Puffy Chair that went to Sundance. And it was an indie that people just died for. And and so their advice is like, you know, it's very straightforward and sort of like what they did with their careers because now they have like TV shows and they produce shows on like documentaries on Netflix and they do all this stuff. And it's it's about their relationship, but also advice for filmmakers, I was about to say young filmmakers, but really any filmmakers. The best advice they give is that um, they tell all young, all filmmakers, the cavalry isn't coming. It's, which I think is a really good thing to say, like that no one's going to just be like, you, 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 you should have all of the money and the success. Like that you have to go and make your own. You are the cavalry. I can tell that you are going to be successful. And even when people, you know, you have a movie that goes to Sundance and blows everyone away and they made that movie for like $10,000. Still, they still had to go make their own stuff after that. They yeah. still, like, people were like, oh, go on, you know, 50 meetings with every producer in town. And they're like, oh, we're going to wait, like, another five years to get to make a movie that we're not even in charge of. And then sometimes it doesn't even happen. So they just keep making their own stuff, which I think is great. And it's also about their relationship, like, as brothers who work together and how that's tough to work with your siblings. But they also, like, have a weird bond. And it's a great book. If you like any of their stuff, I think it's totally worth reading. Or if you're just a filmmaker or getting into... Making any kind of media, I think it's pretty helpful. What are you reading, Mallory? Ugh, I'm so excited. I'm reading the new Megan Abbott book. I, you know, I really want to read this when you walked in with us. I was jealous. Because, you know, the way to the library is like a thousand years. You can borrow it after it's, me. It's literally, it's like light years away. And then I can, <laughs> you will be, be dead book. before you read this book. <laughs> uh, it's called Give Me Your Hand. Um, if you've ever listened to the show, you know that I'm a big Megan Abbott fan. She is probably my favorite favorite her and tana french are my favorite mystery writers and megan abbott writes these she she writes also like noiry mystery books but these books like give me your hand uh you will know me the fever are all of these like really intense thrillers uh that have to do with women and young women and like the intensity like you know there's one book that's about gym- the gymnastics world one book that's about the cheerleading world it's like women in high intensity high tension situations and this one is about labs and like academia oh uh, cool and it's all about this is woman and she is like a super workaholic. She is 30. She already has a doctorate. She is working in a lab that's investigating um, PMDD, which is premenstrual um, dysphoria disorder. And it's like causes like women like go crazy, basically. And it's like affects 2% of the population. But she's like dedicated her entire life to just like getting ahead. She's so hardworking. She like, you know, barely has an apartment. She doesn't have a love life. She doesn't have friends. Um, and then one day in the lab, a childhood friend comes on the team that she hasn't seen in decades, and they used to be friends. And it's like, so the book flashes back and forth between uh, when they were f- young and the, uh, the friend of hers told her something, this terrible secret that completely ruined their friendship and, like, fucked them up. And now, and then, like, nowadays where they're both competing to be on this team and they're both, like, hyper-smart, uh. hyper uh, 
workaholics like dedicated their entire lives to this. Do you know what the secret is? They, yeah. oh, you they tell you halfway through the book. They tell you halfway through. But I'm not telling you. No, no, don't tell me. I just like don't know if you know or you yes, just know there's you eventually secret. know. And it's oh, cool. really, it's, I mean, it's like any Megan Abbott. It's super compelling. It's so well written. It's so intense. You're just like, wah, the entire time, but in a really good way. So that's uh, Give Me Your Hand by Megan Abbott. And Like Brothers by the Duplass Brothers. But wait, what is Sean reading? Is Sean reading anything new? Oh, yeah. He's coming over here. <laughs> Sean is reading something new, Yay! finally. Sean just got back from Australia. He finally finished all the other books he was reading. Now, <laughs> <laughs> And now I'm reading, uh, I've gone back to my safe place, and I'm reading uh, a Vonnegut book. What am I reading? Jail. Jail. Bird. Jailbird, yeah. I was like, Jailbreak? No, that's a Thin Lizzy song. Right. It's um, Jailbird, right? Yeah. Yeah, Jailbird. Um, and it's really great. It's like... Have you read a lot of Vonnegut? Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know... It's your go-to, go-to, like... It's like... Uh, your comfort read. Exactly. It is a little bit for me, too. I grew up reading a lot of Vonnegut. Yeah. Like, I've been reading a lot of things that were a lot uh, less... Not, not less enjoyable, but, like, took a lot more brain power to stay engaged with. As opposed to something you can just tear through and that's fun to read fast. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's great. <laughs> Did you read on that plane? You had a 20-hour plane ride or something, that's right? It's only 14 hours. Okay, fine. Uh, but yeah, I read some of the But plane. that was, but it was, the, you went back and forth in like a week. So that was like the equivalent of like 30 hours. It was on a, a lot plane. of flying. Did you did you read on the plane or did you just yeah. watch movies? Okay, no, I, I read on the plane. Okay. Uh, I think there's like a good period on the plane. Uh, is when you get on and just, like, read for for ages. I, I'm with you. That's when yeah. I do it, too, until I fall asleep. Yeah, and then you're like, I'm not in a reading place anymore. I'm in this weird, woozy place. So, yeah. And then you switch to watching, you know, Marvel movies. Juman- Jumanji or Jumanji, something. Jumanji, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. Crying <laughs> through Jumanji <Yeah>. inexplicably. <laughs> yeah. Good plane move. Mm-hmm. I approve, Sean. Well done. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback from uh, the Books That Changed Our Lives episode. Uh, Alice wrote in, three books which have recently changed things for me in a big way are The Magicians, The Magician King, and The Magician's Land by Love Grossman. Reading the trilogy has been such an intense experience, so emotional and so personal, that I've been hesitant to talk about them with anyone at all. They're deeply introspective and really pulled me back to myself, realigning my values and reminding me of what truly matters. Is that what the TV show is based on? Yep. Oh, cool. I didn't know that a TV show was based on books. Surprise. Maybe I should check that out. Sarah wrote in and said, I grew up in a small Bible Belt community and never felt like I belonged, but hadn't seen a lot of alternative ways of thinking in anything other than stereotypical parodied form. When I was in 10th grade, I read Dead Man Walking and it literally changed my life. It was the first time I'd ever encountered a religious Christian narrative that poked holes in the more fire and brimstone styles around me. And I realized that there were people out there who could interpret the same thing differently. That book made me believe that I wasn't such a weirdo and that the world is a big place and that there's so many more possibilities than what we may find immediately around us. These are so sweet. I know. I had some of, and just just a quick note, all these uh, emails were much longer and I had to edit them down to smaller to fit all of them in this episode, but they're very, very sweet. They're very, very wonderful. Uh, Ariel wrote in, as you were talking about books that change your lives, I was thinking about Tamora Pierce's books. They're uh, middle grade YA fantasy books that I was obsessed with when I was a kid. All of them have strong female protagonists that were so relevant to me. When I was a kid, they influenced my view of what magic and world building was, and they helped me build my imagination. I grew up feeling powerful and important, and I think she was a really important part of that. Oh, I don't even know these books. They're, they're, um, I've heard of them, but I've never read them. Hmm. And Danielle wrote in and said, Harry Potter showed me that reading was actually fun and not just boring homework. 
I went from hating reading to loving it. The second one that, that helped her was The Gulag Archipelago by, I'm so sorry, Alexander Sol... Solzhenitsyn. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I cared about politics until I read it. It made me change my college major from biology to political science and write my thesis on totalitarianism. And the third is How to Win fin- Friends and Influence People by Dale, by Dale Carnegie. It was given to me by my mentor, and it made me realize that being considerate of others was not only a good thing, but also a useful thing. So, yay, guys. Oh, that's so, so sweet. What, it, is, what sweet feedback. It's so nice to see all, I mean, you guys got to hear, you folks got to hear the books that were super important to me and Bria, and it's really amazing to get this feedback and see the books that were super important to all of you. And you can keep emailing books that changed your life to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and I think we should have an always open door policy. Oh, seriously. It's like wheelhouses. It's we the are wheelhouse. Always- you can always give us a wheelhouse or, an, or a book that changed your life. And also, quick bookmark. Very exciting. We finally have Reading Glasses t-shirts. Oh, it's so, they're so cute. They're so cute. So they're available in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And they're basically the opposite of our Do Not Disturb the Reading tote bags. Yeah, those were like too mean for you. If you're like... That I don't want to walk around with such a like mean mean phrase on my bag. Guess they're, what we did? Something so, opposite. Uh, they they're t-shirts that say "Ask me what I'm reading." So if you're feeling like you don't want people to bother you and you just want to get some reading done, you carry the tote bag around. But if you want to make some book friends, you can wear your "Ask me what I'm reading" t-shirt. You have two options provided to you by yeah, us, depending on how you're feeling. Uh, they were designed by my partner Alan. Uh, they look amazing. They have this is like "Ask me what I'm reading." They come in either black or white. And uh, there was like a little library card on the side. And so it looks cute. like a real library card, but it says reading glasses on it. It's really cute. Alan did a really good job. Uh, so hopefully you'll get some cool reading conversations and maybe some new book friends by wearing it. Um, I have another bookmark, which is I, this is not book related. It's a movie mark. Uh, I have a movie that's out on iTunes right now Yay! and Amazon and in theaters. Some places, if you live in like one of like, I don't know, it's like 10 cities or something. Uh, it's called Dead Night. So if you enjoy me... <laughs> As you a podcast see... host, maybe you'll enjoy me in a movie form. It is a horror movie, so it's super it's fun. Dead Night, so be careful. There's a lot of violence going into it, so just be aware of that. It's a really good movie. Bria's amazing in oh, it. Oh, thanks. If so, you want to see Bria hit a bunch of things with weapons and axes yeah. and kick a bunch of ass. You didn't know this snack eater could be such a badass. <laughs> she puts down the chocolate bar and picks up the axe. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you take Bria's chocolate-covered almonds. God, I wish I had some chocolate-covered almonds right now. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get some library secrets from Brazos Price, we're going to take a quick break. Support for Reading Glasses comes in part from Audible. Audiobooks are a great sidekick for summer activities like hiking, road tripping, enjoying downtime outdoors, and more. Or sitting inside in the air conditioning if you're Mallory and Bria. Exactly. So Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, which lets you fill your summer with more stories like you guys have heard me talk so much about Priest Daddy. I read Priest Daddy. I loved it. And then I decided to listen to the audiobook when I found out that Patricia Lockwood does the audiobook herself and she does all the funny voices of her family. Listen to the audiobook through. I bought it through Audible. It is so hilarious and so wonderful. And you guys know we love audiobooks. We think they are amazing. It's a great, great way to add to your reading life. And it's a great way to 
it's a great way to get in more reading time. So oh, absolutely. this is a wonderful way for you guys. And we're going to give you even a discount code right at the end. So Hell you know. yeah, we are. Because uh, you know what? If you're going to do audiobooks, why not sign up for the service with the largest selection of them? So Audible members get a credit every month good for any audiobook in the store, regardless of price. And unused credits roll over to the next month. If you, and if you didn't like your audiobook, you can exchange it. No questions asked. So if you're listening to it and you're like, oh, no, this narrator is putting me to sleep, you can totally give it back and get another one. So start your 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free. Go to audible.com slash glasses or text glasses to 500-500. That's 500-500 to get started. And if you che- if you use the free code and um, get an audiobook, email us and let us know. We want to hear what you like. Yeah, we want to hear what you do. Yeah, that would be awesome. And if you want recommendations, you can always email us. We are happy to nerd out about audiobooks and we're super excited that Audible is sponsoring this show. Kardashians. Michael Cohen. Hashtags. Clickbait. Memes. Oh. <laughs> Debunking. Rebunking. <laughs> Regular sized bunking. Bodie McBoatface. Do any of these words make sense to you? then maybe Trends Like These is the podcast you should be listening to. We put an episode every week on MaximumFun.org. Hosted by me, Travis McElroy. And me, Courtney Enlow. And me, Brent Black. Trends Like These on MaximumFun.org. Because with Trends Like These, who needs any memes? Ah? Uh? Ah? Uh? <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> So here we are with Brazos, who is a librarian in Georgia and also I went to college with. Hey, Brazos, how's it going? Hey, how are you guys doing? Good to see you. Good to talk to you on the internet. We don't actually see each other right now. (laughs) So this week is a special episode. We're getting some special library information from Brazos. Your burning library questions will finally be answered. Uh, So Brazos, first off, we have to ask, what are you reading right now? Great question. We, we always read in the library, and what I'm reading right now is A Torch Against the Night by Saba uh, Tahir. And I just finished the first uh, Trees by uh, Warren Ellis. Oh, yeah, through. I like that book. Yeah, yeah good uh, comic. Is it, should I keep going with Trees? I only read the first book. I only read the first book, too. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I don't know if I'm going to keep going or not. I haven't decided. Okay, so there's been a lot of hubbub about a four- Forbes article that suggested that libraries are a waste of taxpayer dollars and should be replaced by Amazon stores. I'm obviously, I'm just boiling that down to the basics, but this was a big internet discussion on the bookish internet. What are your thoughts on this? I think I know them, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think he should have gone to the library to do, to do some research uh, with his friendly librarian. And if he had, he would have found that libraries do many more things than uh, act as transmission vehicles for people and all the different services that we provide acting as a third place in communities. One of my favorite sort of library uh, factoids, which we should probably verify (laughs) is that there's more libraries in the United States than there are um, McDonald's. So. I also have read that factoid. Yeah. It's a good little factoid. And what populations are libraries generally serving? 
So libraries serve uh, everyone in the community, Pub and I'm speaking, speaking specifically of uh, public libraries because uh, that's where most of my background is. But you know, of course, we all we do have special libraries that serve special communities. But but the public library is almost always in the United States, especially open uh, to everyone in that community to come in, and anybody that lives in that community, generally speaking, can get a free library card, uh, and that's one of the best things about the United States, in my opinion. And I think a lot of People that read that Forbes article uh, felt the way that I do. <laughs> I, I think they did. I think people were very upset about the Forbes article. So for those who have never gone to a library before and don't really know what libraries can provide for them, what are some of the benefits for uh, those holding a library card that might be surprising to people? Gosh, I mean, just some of the crazy things that we circulate. So, you know, circulating like guitars or tools. So being able to check out a musical instrument that you've never tried before or a, um, a tool that you need for a specific task. Um, but there's just in general, the sort of variety of programs that, that libraries provide. I've seen libraries that provide, you know, Hungarian folk dancing programs um, all the way to, you know, how to make hummus. So it's, it's just a, a very wide variety in addition to sort of the traditional kind of bookish programs that you might expect like book clubs. Um, and really, especially for for parents of young children, we have a, just a whole host of early literacy uh, things that, uh, you know, a lot of people rediscover the library once they have children because they need a place to go that they don't have to spend money on all the time. And children's books are very expensive, um, especially picture books. And it's a great way to save money, meet people, meet other parents because they're coming to programs uh, at the same time with children at the same age of life generally. So it's really, really just kind of a, a community resource, and and I think that some of those types of, uh, and, and even just even just providing like a public space that people vote in libraries like all over the country, there's literally a place to go to the polls um, is something that that libraries provide. A, a lot of those sort of services, I I would say, are are somewhat perhaps unknown. So one of the reasons why we wanted to do this special episode is we were getting a lot of listener questions that were very librarian specific and needed some, you know, behind the scenes knowledge and the, some expertise, some librarian <laughs> expertise. So and instead of just, you know, looking it up and getting the information from it from the Internet, we thought, why not actually go to a librarian like you're supposed to? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so the first. The first question is from a listener named Megan, and she asks, my librarian used to use OverDrive, which I loved, but re recently switched to another app. I won't go into details, but OverDrive is far superior. Is there a good way to request that my library switch back to OverDrive? I don't know what is involved with the app choosing process, and I don't want to appear as a pest or unappreciative. Maybe it's a cost thing. I don't know. Is it bothersome or helpful to give feedback on the preferred ebook app or on anything in a library? Oh, we always want to hear from the public because that's the as, you know, in the public library, that's the whole reason we're doing what we do. It's because we want to, you know, serve the public. Um, so, yeah, talk to your librarians. There's almost always going to be many ways that you can deliver feedback. They'll have like a, a survey uh, or like a handout that you might be able to fill out. Um, there's a lot of online methodologies like um, you can, you know, go online and fill out a form. You can talk to somebody in person generally. We usually, a lot of us have social media presences. So you can, you know, Facebook us or tweet us. Um, and we really want to hear about it because, again, the whole reason that we exist as an institution is with public support. Um, and, 
you know, your opinion matters to, to us as, as uh, public servants. Good answer. <laughs> um, so um, our listener, Ashley, asks, here is my question. Is it okay for me to keep borrowing digital material from my former library even though I don't live there anymore? I know the only way for my new library will improve is if patrons like me request new books and check out the books they have, but it's so frustrating to join a long waiting list for a book when it's immediately available for download from my former library. She had just moved in this email, and so she was wondering what she should be doing. Uh, that's a good question. Um, generally speaking, libraries choose kind of when your card expires based on a lot of different factors. Um, one is, of course, like, you know, people that move. Um, but it's also the, the inconvenience potentially of like having to physically come to the library, depending on your sort of station in life. Um, that can be more difficult for some folks. Um, so I would say if your library has, th you know, thought about all those things and set their uh, borrowing, you know, standards that way, that you should continue to use that library. And you should continue to support them after your um, card expires by potentially getting an out-of-town card. They're, those are typically things that do exist. Um, a lot of libraries I've worked at have had them. I think actually every one of them. I've, I've worked at five, four libraries now. So. Wow, that's a lot of libraries. <laughs> it's a lot of library systems. So, um, yeah, so they almost always have a, meth a way for you to, you know, continue to uh, get access to, you know, multiple systems. And some people do it. Like, I live in the metropolitan Atlanta area, and there are a lot of library systems in metropolitan Atlanta. So some people I've known have had multiple uh, accounts and they just simply will pay the, the fees associated with those in terms of like the annual fee. Oh, interesting. So if you do, so do out of town cards generally have a fee or it's just depending on, dependent on the library? It depends on the library. So like in, um, in Austin, for example, like where I, I used to work, the, the, that sort of stuff would change kind of regularly at, at some points you if you lived in Texas, you could get a card for free, um, but then it changed to just uh, the city limits of Austin. And I think they now charge something like $40 per out-of-town card. But while we're talking, I'll look it up. That's cool. I didn't even know you could get an out-of-town card. That's I just, had that no blows, idea that, that was even a thing. I didn't know my library card could expire. That's, that's yeah. the thing that just scared me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to check on that. You know, you probably have like renewed it without realizing it because you've, you've walked in. And, you know, like said, hey, I'm going to check this book out. And they're like, oh, your, your card's expired. You want to renew? And you're like, yes. <laughs> you may not even remember. I actually left mine there one time and they kept it for like two years because I only used it online and then I used it in person. And I was like, I don't know where it is. And they had kept it at the library. Oh, Isn't wow. And they crazy? still had Librarians it? are magical. Yeah, for, after like two years. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Librarians are completely magical. I, I agree. We're unicorns. <laughs> so the last listener question is from someone and they say i used to go to my local library every single weekend and pick out new books to feast on until i was moving and somehow ugh, lost a book i know shame i've exhausted my resource resources searching for it and it's just nowhere to be found i can't check out any more books until i find it confront my sweet sweet librarian and tell her what happened but i'm riddled with guilt and shame and can't bring myself to eat to do even that What's the right thing to do? Should I buy a copy online to replace it and explain what happened? Would a replacement be accepted? Do I just tell them I lost it and pay them directly? Do I hide an endless shame and guilt and never return to the library? I sincerely don't want to be a trash baby. <laughs> well, you're, you're not a trash baby. Um, everybody loses books now and then, again, even, even Mallory's, I think. What do you think, Mallory? 
No. Uh, no. I've, had some people, I've had some people take my books and I couldn't get it back without murdering them. I don't know. If that you, de- you definitely need to read that book hunter book. Um, this is your, your line of work. Um, yeah, you're a book hunter. Yeah. Ha- wait, quick, just a quick thing, Brazos. Have you ever read the um, Walter Mower's Zimonia series? Oh, no. I love the title. Because there are, there are book hunters in that universe oh, and wow. they wear these samurai suits and they have these lanterns that are filled with jelly, like phosphor, uh, bioluminescent jellyfish, and they wow. fight each other and they fight monsters to get these books. And it's sense. the best thing in the entire world. Wow. Are they like magic books? Uh, it's kind of like J.K. Rowling meets Der- Terry Pratchett, oh. or like Terry Pratchett meets Doug Adams, but fantasy. Okay, cool. I need to read. I, I I'm embarrassed to say that I've never read any Terry Pratchett. Oh yeah. Neither have I. It's okay. I've only read Good Omens. Yeah, me too. But yeah. So what is so what is this? What should this person oh, right. do? So you should go to your library and explain the situation. Um, so some libraries are okay with you providing a replacement copy of a book. Uh, but some of them don't want it because they have all sorts of like processing stuff done to the book. Um, so it really just depends on the library system. I've worked at locations that will allow you to just replace a book that you've lost as long as it's the same edition. Um, but I've also worked at places that say no, because again, you know, depending on when you lost it, it may no longer be a, a title that it would be in the collection um, or they might require so much processing that it doesn't make sort of economic sense to, uh, accept it back again. So it really just depends on the system. So yeah, talk to them and they're not going to be upset at you. You're not a trash baby. Um, we know that, <laughs> we know that everybody you know, has situations that require, I, I had a, I had a person that came to a library that I worked at once that had had a, their book smelled very strongly of smoke and that they had a fire you know, in their house. And oh no, yeah. And, and stuff like that happens, you know, and people lose books for all sorts of reasons. So you're not a trash baby. Come to the library, talk to them, and they'll usually tell you the uh, sort of right way to handle it at that particular location. What would make you a trash baby at a library? What would make what would the librarians disapprove not approve of? Uh, stealing books and then hawking them would be make you a trash baby. Oh no! That's do people do that? villain ass shit right there. Yeah, that that happens. Wow. I want to get on my book hunter costume and go hunt those people down. <laughs> And find and like yeah. throw them into a volcano. That can you imagine stealing from the library? It's, it's like the opposite of Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's it's pretty bad. It's pretty low. Uh, so yeah, that that's the only trash baby offense I think. What's the what's the worst crazy book return story you've ever gotten? Has anyone ever given you a book that was like waterlogged or bitten in half by an alligator? We've definitely seen like bitten books by dogs that's definitely happens um this is not a book story specifically but it's a library story we had a, a guy once that was making stew in the bathroom um <laughs> so in a crock pot go on get a crock pot and everything and like somebody walked in and he's like he's like he's making stew so we're like can't make stew but we can show you a cookbook <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. That last part was a, was made up, but but the rest of it is true. Wait, so he need what? Like he just needed a place to plug his crock just pot. Just a place. To, he's like he just thought it was, would be okay to plug in a crock pot in the bathroom. I'm just glad he wasn't making it in the sink. Yeah, that's probably because yeah. that would be really weird. I thought you meant like ma- like making stew was like a really weird like analogy or no, metaphor. No analogy. For- it was really it was a crock pot <laughs> making like stew. 
But yeah, you know that old library stew. It's not quite the same unless you make it in the library. Just two adults read a book, make the stew. It's a public place. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's okay. That's gonna be our episode title: is making a stew in the library. (laughs) Yeah, that's my favorite story because, like, it just spread all throughout the library, like almost immediately. We were, we were, yeah, did he bring enough for everybody? I mean, you can't make stew in the library without sharing. Wait, what spread? The smell? No, the just, smell spread? just the story because it was such a Uh-oh. it was such a compelling story of like somebody cooking stew in the bathroom in the library. Yeah, that's some that's one of the best things I've ever heard in my yeah, life. That's really great. Well, Brazos, do you have any final thoughts on um, libraries, librarians, things that the library does for the community that people uh, might need to know or you feel like they should know? So we're very, you know, I guess truly federalist. So like libraries are all across the country and they're all doing, you know, different stuff with a lot of large, you know, shared mission stuff like books. Um, like the San Francisco Public Library, you know, has formerly homeless folks that like work in the bathrooms to like help direct people to social services. Um, there's, you can, you mentioned like how instead of looking it up on the internet, you decided to check out a librarian basically and that's a service that some libraries provide they actually allow you to like check out people like talk to them um so there's just like a ton of just amazing things that public libraries are doing all across the the country and i'm always so um i always love listening to your 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 sort of your patrons i guess of your of your podcast and how they they love public libraries so yeah just keep you know speaking up about libraries i think uh, and, you know, supporting whenever there's like a, a ballot initiative, that's always something that's good to do for the library because it helps make uh, the library a, a vibrant place and keep it a vibrant place. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show again. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Now it's time for some book tech, advances in bookish technology. This week is a special one for Bria. A listener named Morgan brought this to our attention. Morgan wrote in, I've been reading The Knife of Never Letting Go by Patrick Ness, and I love the little dog in it. Ugh, I already knew what was going to happen in this. People warned me. Just a heads up, he dies and my heart is crushed. My husband tell my husband then tells me about a website, doesthedogdie.com, where you can find out if a dog dies before you watch a movie. I'm not sure if it does the same for a book, but at least I won't have to watch them die. Okay, did you have a chance to check out this website? Oh, it's I checked, awesome. Oh, I checked it out. Okay, what do you think? Uh, so I wanted to see how useful it would be for readers, and I was really impressed because it's not just about dog death. No, it's great. There's a lot of different triggers, and some of them are really specific, like do any teeth get damaged? Are there needles? Does a horse die? Like this website is awesome. It's mostly for movies, but there are books and video games on here. And I would absolutely check this out if you have an intense trigger or phobia with something. It's kind of like Wikipedia in the way that you can edit and add things. So like if you read a book and you're like, "Ooh, the dog dies," yeah, it's like what do you call it? What's that called when you do that? It's like a consumer driven. That's not right. Nope. It's called uh, something else. Crowd funded. Nope. Still not right. Crowd somewhere in there. (laughs) Something like crowdsourced. Yeah. Crowdsourced. Um. So, but if you're the kind of saint person who does stuff like that and you read a book and you're like, oh no, the dog dies, I should put this on this website. Um, I'm definitely going to check it out for books that have, might have snakes. Yeah, they have a snake section. Yeah, they, does it have snakes? And then you go and you can see. The, yeah. So what do you give it? Well, uh, I give this five out of five. Wow. I thought this was a really cool idea. Bria, would you use this? Yes. So I do think it's incredible. I, I Also, it is very specific. If you like scroll down, there's so many things. Um, there was one that was, does someone's head get squashed? 
squashed or is someone misgendered, which I thought were really specific, but probably are like major triggers for people. Yeah. And so they, I was like, that's like such a great find. Um, the only thing that's weird is that for the TV stuff, it's not specific because it's it seems like a pretty new site, or maybe not that many people will use it. I'm not yeah. I'm not sure. So for the TV, it's like, are there spiders in the 107 episodes of Brooklyn Nine Nine or something? And it's like yes, but you don't know which one. You don't know which one. But other than that, I mean, I understand like what are, I I mean, I don't update Wikipedia, so like I can't really talk. <laughs> um, but I use it all the time. Um, but I think it is really really helpful for these things and the book ones were pretty helpful the only thing that's weird so when you look at the site it has like are there spiders and then it'll be like yes and the number of votes for yes and no number of votes for no and sometimes it'll be like three votes yes two votes no and I'm like well what does that mean but I get like you know you can know if it's possibly coming your way I guess is the one is what you can figure out I think it well it's hard because sometimes like stuff like that is really objective and it's like you think if are there spiders is objective? Well, because they could someone who's really really triggered by spiders could be like, oh, there's a picture of it. Like someone's drawing a I shitty picture see. of a spider, or there could be a giant fifteen foot spider attack. Like there's a big range in between. Like I think they should listen. But, I think that they should. Uh, if it, if there's a picture of a spider, I think it counts. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, so we, me, Alan and I recently went to New Orleans and it's very hot there this time of year. And I was wearing shorts. And so it was with Alan and Alan's best friend, Zine. You were worried like, snakes were going to crawl up those shorts? <laughs> yes. <always. laughs> but we were walking along and I was like, Alan, is my butt hanging out of these shorts? Like on a scale of one to 10. He was like, oh, two. And I was like, whew, no, no worry. And then Zine looked and she was like, no, that's a solid eight. Oh my and, God. And I was like, well, oh my God, what are you talking about? And Alan was like, well, I was going from like, to like whole butt like 10 would be completely nude and i was like but that's not i was like how m- right. much is my you're just talking about up? like your undercarriage or whatever yes <laughs> <My undercarriage. laughs> just when your undercarriage is hanging out a little bit yeah i'm fine it, with it like i am not a, like i could handle seeing a drawing of a, a cartoon of a snake but someone with who's worse than me would be like no cartoon snake wait but what if it's like okay hold on wait. hold on like, hold what on. if it's a sock puppet with- no what if it's a cartoon snake and he's it's like a very realistic depiction of a cartoon snake. Like it's very well done, but it is a drawing. Uh, yeah, see that rides the line. What if it's that one but he's wearing a hat? <laughs> <laughs> and like little glasses. <laughs> Maybe a small mustache. <laughs> I don't know. But it's very realistic. Yeah. Mm. What if in real life it's a snake and he's also wearing a hat? No, I see sometimes those pictures on Twitter of people with their pets. And they're like, look, I put a little hat on my pet snake. And I'm like, oh, dear God. It's so, still not cute. Hats aren't going to help. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine, Mallory. Um, I I'm also going to have to hide all my pictures of snakes wearing hats. <laughs> I have something to show you. <laughs> it's just a bunch of, I, you're going to really be disappointed in my snake hat line that I plan on releasing later this Damn year. Damn it. <laughs> no, I hate fucking snakes. I would never give them a hat. No hats for snakes. I would just give them snake poison the f- they're thinking it's a hat and they put it on can i just... have a cut of dead knight that's just you instead of attacking you know monsters it's you fighting snakes uh, i've already done a movie in which i fight a snake okay so what movie i did a sci-fi channel original it was originally a snake in the script but and then my friend kit thought that was really funny it was an ice snake a snake that lived under the ice it was called Ice Road Terror. Was he made out of ice? And then, no, no, it was just living under the ice. And then we, like, disturbed it. It was like a sci-fi channel original when they were doing these big monsters, monster movies. And um, my friend Kit thought it was really funny, so he would buy, like, little plastic snakes and leave them around my house everywhere when I did it. Um, I would kill But Kit. then in the po- in post, they turned it into a lizard. So it's not as good. So I fought a giant lizard. I would With, like, a blowtorch. 
I would still watch that. Yeah, I don't know where you can find that movie. But... Oh. <laughs> anyway, I give this a 5 out of 5. Yeah. <laughs> it's a so, 5 out of 5 website. So check this out. It's going to be in the show notes. And remember, you can always send your book tech finds or suggestions to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank Danielle, who runs our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening and, and thanks, thanks for reading. Because he loved true things, he tried to explain. He said he was nervous, and besides, he wanted to see the country, smell the ground, and look at grass and birds and trees to savor the country, and there was no other way to do it save on foot. And people didn't like him for telling the truth. They scowled or shook and tapped their heads. They laughed as though they knew it was a lie and they appreciated a liar. And some, afraid for their daughters or their pigs, told him to move on, to get going, just not to stop near their place if he knew it was good for him. And so he stopped trying to tell the truth. He said he was doing it on a bet, that he stood to win $100. Everyone liked him then and believed him. They asked him into dinner and gave him a bed, and they put lunches up for him and wished him good luck and thought he was a hell of a fine fellow. Doc still loved true things, but he knew it was not a general love, and it could be a very dangerous mistress. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.